Naturally, such a report calls for a good deal of study. And this is the story of how Jim, who was no more fond of studying than anyone, makes it as easy as possible for himself by studying in the right way, the most practical way. Talking about things makes them happen and makes other people hear you and say like, yeah, I believe in that too. And like, let's, how can we do this together? In March of 2015, back when this podcast was still young, we did a show called New Frontiers for Teaching and Learning, admittedly a long title, in which we heard from Rachel Uwa about her project, The School of Machines Making and Make-Believe, based in Berlin. Now, back then, we talked about a school that was only about a year old. Now, it being the end of the year, the end of 2016, we thought it was a good time to do some follow-up and check on what's been happening with the School of Machines making and make-believe, but also to hear from Rachel herself about what she's done, learned, and what she's looking forward to in the new year. It's an education and society-themed follow-up with a returning champion. For Wikimedia Deutschland, I'm Mark Fonseca Renderu, and this is Source Code Berlin. It's been a year, so my idea here is for people listening, um, it's it's a follow up, and that's something that all all kinds of media are not very good at. And I would throw podcasts in there as well. Uh, I, I want to be good at follow up, especially when it comes to projects that are interesting and growing and changing. And I think, you know, what you're doing, Rachel, it's 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 changing and it's growing. No. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm already like each year I've been expanding on um, the programs that I'm offering. And now next year I want to do some different things as well, like offering um, like a research uh, residency in Belgrade and uh, and and just a lot of other things, because I, I mean, a lot of people write me and they're interested in taking classes, but they don't necessarily have four weeks. And so they're like, can you offer night classes? Can you offer like other workshops? So. Uh, so I want to start to do um, kind of more of a, a variety of other things that I've not tried yet, just as an experiment to see like how people react to them and if they, um, I don't know if it makes sense because I, I mean, again, like I think I said before, I, I'm really interested in how people learn best and like yeah. how um, to create interest, like, like memorable experiences for people. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so. that's that big question that even I think big schools are, are trying to tackle. And I say big schools, I mean, you know, the institutions, the universities, what's the best way for teaching and learning and especially questioning the old ways, right? Uh, which many schools are still practicing the, the formula, so to speak. Yeah, uh, well, that's also, I think, a really interesting thing because I've had several instructors from universities, from various universities around, yeah, like Europe and the U.S., Come and I'm hearing like things like the students that they have in university are 
not really interested in what they're teaching, which is shocking. You know, I'm like, how do you not have the audience, like the dream audience, because you're like the dream instructor. Mm -hmm. And so I think that inevitably um, people are not able to teach exactly what they want to teach, like the the place that they're um, the thing that they're that they're the best at. So they're teaching kind of like intro courses or kind of other things that mm -hmm. are touching along what they um, do in their art practice, but not exactly. So, so I think that's also a thing. Like, I don't know, like I, when, when I'm thinking about my classes and stuff, I'm thinking like, how can I make, or how can I get the best, um, the best instructors uh, and have students who, who value what they're offering? Because I, it's not, I don't know. I'm, I was really surprised to hear that it's not a given in university somehow. And, uh, and also, yeah, just the fact that like universities tend to focus on like m acquiring new buildings, for example, <laughs> and uh, so then all so then the prices are raised, and uh, and it's like it's not for the benefit of the students necessarily. It's just for the you know kind of like the the status of the school. So I'm also like not at all, not at all uh, doing similar things. No, no. Uh, for people listening, um, and, I, and I like not doing it right from the beginning, I like being able to just talk and catch up. Um, the school we're talking about, first of all, we're talking with Rachel Ua. Hi, Rachel. And the school is uh, the School of Machines Making and Make Believe. Normally, I would say uh, based in Berlin, but uh, that's almost an exaggeration. No, Rachel? I mean, it's it's well beyond Berlin at this point. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say well beyond, but I am trying to do programs in other places. And I did a program this year in Italy hmm. and uh, some workshops in Barcelona. And uh, I'm trying to do more things in Eastern Europe, but it's a little bit difficult, I, I realize, to, to do things in other places where you're not based. Hmm. So um, The connections, so you mean? Like the people that can get things done or... Well, I mean, for example, when I was trying to do a program in Belgrade a couple of years ago, yeah, um, what happened was a few weeks before it was supposed to happen, the Fab Lab closed and the Fab Lab was going to be our main source of, you know, equipment and having access to tools. So, uh, so, you know, had I been living there, I would have probably, you know, like stopped by every once in a while. And then I would have seen that they're having problems, but I didn't, I didn't know that. And I just found out afterwards. And so, um, so that was pretty crazy. How did you get through that? <laughs> well, I just, uh, postponed the program. So, uh -huh. and then inevitably we had it in Berlin and it was all, it was brilliant. So, um, hmm. I think, uh, I think that's part of why I am still going is because I have, I feel like I have a really good ability to be flexible and to kind of like, you know, that could have probably, had I, I don't know, had it been a few years ago, maybe I would have been like, oh my God, what? it's a failure. I, I should stop doing what I'm doing. This is not going to work. But instead I was just like, okay, well, moving on. Mm -hmm. and I think that attitude is really important if you want to kind of have, um, I don't know, to, to grow basically. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not to be discouraged uh, when something goes wrong. That's, I think that's huge in everybody's life <laughs> in different projects and different decisions. Yeah. I think but it's just important definitely to, I would just encourage people to, kind of dust themselves off and get back up and keep going and not like look at it at all because it's, I mean, you know, learn a few lessons from it, but mm. don't see it as a reflection of like who you are and what you're, what you're capable of. I, I remember uh, when we did our, our show right here on Source Code Berlin and at the time you were preparing for the Belgrade uh, program, which would have been in the summer, but uh, we were still months away. Um, I knew you had an interest in Eastern Europe. I'm also wondering Barcelona, 
in Italy. I'm not sure where in Italy, but what what pulls you towards these particular locations? The the why of it? I think it's a for me about ex- exploring different cultures, and um, like I think I mentioned this the last time as well. It's like basically I have like my two best friends here are uh, this wonderful couple, and um, and they're always like traveling the world and like doing artist residencies, you know, in China and uh, Azerbaijan and all of these are like really exotic places. And um, and so I was just thinking, well, you know, if we're lucky enough to have like some amazing partner who travels with us all over the world, that's great. But like, you know, like what about traveling with uh, like a community of people? Like it's just as is good like to go and like explore new places with new people and kind of like see what's going on there as far as uh like creative technology goes and uh to kind of like learn and like 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 technical skills but also about new cultures mm-hmm. together so um that's kind of i think that's essentially why i'm really interested to explore new places because uh life's Life's short, and we're living in our bubbles, as we as we have uh, realized recently. And so, I'm trying to get out of that, and uh, and also understand like how, what are the concerns from other people in other places. So, another reason that I'm kind of want to try out a new thing as well, which are uh, online classes, because I feel like there's a lot of like I know a lot of great people teaching a lot of things about critical theory and critical uses of technology and. And so I want to spread the word. I'm like, you need to teach your classes for many more people than you can reach when you do a workshop in like, mm. you know, Barcelona or Berlin or something. And that is the way we keep our room. Because a quiet room helps all of us learn. How do you do it? Well... Each of us knows how to work quietly. That's very important. Boys and girls, how would you like to show some of the ways we know of being quiet? What are we? We're almost three years into the existence of the school, right? Uh, yeah, I've been doing it since 2014. Yeah, so let me ask you this. Uh, the purpose of it when you started compared to the, the mission now, same? Uh, I guess I would say it's a little, it's, it's evolved a little bit. I would, I would say. Um, so basically I started off wanting to do kind of like fun, nonsensical things with technology. And, uh, and I still am really interested in, in those things because I think that's how we get excited about things and how we start to, uh, learn. But actually I think it's, I'm kind of thinking a lot about like creating meaningful things you know and like the other day i was at the creative codes domtisch which we organize <laughs> regularly um and uh with creative code berlin and um and i was talking about how i was in italy recently and i saw um i saw this exhibition from i i want to say his name is keith holtz um but anyway the thing is it was this amazing powerful uh I, I wouldn't even call it an exhibit. It was an experience. And so, and, and basically my point was that we, I think that the art and tech world needs to kind of like take a step back and actually, for one, we're not really looking at art. We're, we're looking at creative technology, but like, I feel like the art is kind of missing from this. So this is another thing I'm really interested to kind of bring back. Also impactful art, you know, like when I walked into this exhibit, it was, it was amazing and it was powerful and it was, you know, like kind of brutal mm-hmm. at the same time. And I thought like, 
you know, like there was no denying that this guy was an artist. And I thought like, well, why, why don't we take this lesson from the art world and start to think about doing more meaningful things than just blinking LEDs. So, uh, which I mean, I, I, I feel bad criticizing blinking LEDs. I know they have their place, but on the other hand, like, I think we can just say so much more. And so I want to kind of go like, that's the place I want to go to like, like meaningful, um, things. Yeah. And, and your, your work with school of mind, I think has always been this, well, let's see, there's the element of art, right? There's the element of science also. What what else is in this formula? Critical theory yeah. and uh, and also kind of trying to find the human connection in everything. Like why are we why are we using technology at all? Like who who are we actually? You know, like it's really interesting as well. Like to notice that like at first I noticed that artists were really oftentimes uncomfortable learning technology because it's this it's a place that they're not so familiar with. And so like, you know, like the the whole feeling about like feeling dumb Mm -hmm. or not understanding and feeling like you're the only one. And then I I realized as well that people who are more technically minded also have a real problem without having rules. Like if you just say like, here, do this, do this project. And like, there are, are no rules, look inside yourself and see what you're interested in and then create something from there. They're also just as helpless as those artists. And it's kind of, so I thought it was really fasc- fascinating to see that um, that no matter who we are, we're like struggling with something with like ourselves and and also another thing that I found is that um, a lot of a lot of times what we need creativity for is to kind of like as a self therapy or something like that because I think we've all had crazy experiences and we don't know it's an, we don't know how to get them out of ourselves and so the way that we're doing that is through our art and creativity. So like even, I mean, I just think about people who say like, I'm, I'm not a creative person. I don't have, you know, a creative bone in my body or something. And it's like, no, no, but you need it. You need it. I need to find it. Everybody needs to find that place that they can um, use to express themselves because it's where I think we're all suffering. I mean, even these people who think they're not creative, I know they've got stuff going on. So mm. I don't know, like part of the, my mission is to try to like, find the human parts of all of us and like, and, 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 and kind of like from there, think about technology, not from the place of like, Oh, tech is cool. Let's like play with this new device, but more like, who are we? And what, what is tech? What is the connection between us and and the technology? And I think, um, continuing on this line of, of discussion, there was a program in October that you guys did. Um, I haven't gotten to ask you about it, if I could. Uh, it's entitled Influencing Disruptions. Uh, t- if you can, tell us a bit about what it was and how it yes. worked. Well, so inevitably, that program became a series of workshops that we did uh, in connection with the Influencers Conference. And uh, so there was like a machine learning for activists workshop and uh, workshops that were kind of bringing out this, you know, critical concepts in technology and what we're doing today, um, mm-hmm. with, with machine learning and with, um, kind of privacy and security and like who's got access to our information and, uh, and kind of like exploring tools to, so that we can see that. So we're not blind to what's going on because it's so easy to just, you know, kind of like go about your day and use Google and use all these things and like, think that nobody's seeing any of this stuff or nobody's collecting the data, but actually that's not really the mm. case. So, uh, so kind of, yeah, this is exactly that. These are the topics that I would like to explore more and have 
give more access to these topics. So, uh, so thus I'm looking into the idea of doing, um, uh, online classes next year, which, you know, the thing is that I know that I've started taking online classes and I've never finished them. So, but I found, I found a couple of different, uh, kind of what I think of as success stories. And they're basically doing, um, they're doing online classes, uh, live so that the instructor's there and you see all the students and you're interacting in real time. And I think that it's, it's a whole other thing than just downloading videos and, uh, yeah. And so I don't know. So it's an experiment and I'm kind of, uh, trying to curate some of some more, um, some of these topics for next year. So in, in comparison, I mean, in, in October, this program in Barcelona, this was four weeks, uh, let's see. Uh, and, and there, are, as you said, there's a limited amount of spaces at that particular yeah, yeah. event. Well, actually, okay. So this is another thing. So, um, actually, so we didn't do the four week program in the end because we didn't have enough students. Mm-hmm. And so this is also another thing I think that, um, that I realized that activists don't have time or money. Mm. <laughs> like they don't have the ability to just take off four weeks and spend a lot of money on these kinds of things, which is why I'm trying to create a new format for them. Because I think that, these things are really important and we all know they're really important. And so like trying to make them more accessible essentially is the thing. Um, but I would definitely also too, I think it was a time thing as well. So another lesson that I'm kind of learning from all of these experiments is that I need to give people more time in order to, uh, plan their lives and and their finances around the classes. So I'm hoping for example, next year to, to announce all my classes for the whole year at the beginning of January. So that people have enough time and they can look and they can see like, okay, this, this class makes sense for me and that one. And so, and so as far as like, as far as the four week classes go, but, um, but the other things that I'm going to be doing are maybe going to still be popping up here and there. But I think that like, those are my, you know, my, my babies, I guess. And the ones that I really want to see succeed in the best way possible. And so that would be like giving everybody as much time as possible to plan for them. Especially, so I scroll down the website, for example, and I start to see uh, more organizations, partners, not just in Berlin, but now around the world who are working with you. Uh, what have you seen happening when it comes to who your partners are now? What type of partners have come along and why? Uh, yeah, I think there's a really strong community here in Berlin with creative technology. And so inevitably Retune, like Julian from Retune and this um, organization have been... Uh, really great to connect with and um and also people who are doing similar things uh, as far as like um trying to educate people on uh on new and critical things going on with technology are the i am group in barcelona and uh the arduino um Oficina arduino and casia Mina and the fab of torino are the ones that we partnered with for doing the program in italy uh, in February and, um, and so kind of like these kinds of organizations I'm finding are that are kind of, we have similar values, I think like there's a lot of corporate 
interests and things and so it's like how to survive without going to those places like you know for example I was thinking about um, what I want to do in the next three years and uh, and I think that you know like longer term programs could be really interesting to explore but um, but I've seen you know like I'm looking at other examples of this and what they're doing is kind of looking at um, corporate sponsorship or research for corporations and things like this. And I'm not, or other institutions. And I'm not exactly sure that's a place I want to go because I think that, I don't know. It's like, I wonder if you can stay who you are, but still grow. This is kind of a question I'm wondering about. And like, uh, and so I don't know. I mean, I think it can happen though. I think like talking about it, talking about things makes them happen and makes other people hear you and say like, yeah, I believe in that too. And like, let's, how can we do this together? And I definitely want to connect more with like-minded organizations that care about people before profit and also like exploring new technology. So it's not just corporations that are defining what technology means to us, but we're also having a say in what it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, you did something. I mean, there have been so many, uh, if I start listing them, uh, you, you did something with sleep, didn't you? It's funny, actually. Uh, there are many facets to all the things I'm trying to do. So uh, one of them is I'm really interested in this idea of creating new experiences. Right. And so I wanted to do this thing. And I put it out there to see if I got any responses. So this is kind of like, yeah, this is essentially this thing I'm interested in is like putting a lot of things out there and seeing if people react and then kind of going from there. And so Mm -hmm. the sleep thing that I want to do, and I still want to do it actually, and I'm going to do something related similarly for the Forspiel opening night, uh, happening, um, next in February Mm -hmm. or no January. Uh, but essentially it's the idea of, uh, like I wanted to create, um, turn my space into a public bedroom and then, uh, invite people to stay over and then, (laughs) And then myself and my colleagues would sit silently collecting data on the person. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm because I'm really fascinated with the idea of data collection, but not, not the kind where you, you get the watch and it's telling you your heart rate or whatever. But I think that there's a lot that these devices cannot see, of course. And so, you know, what kind of information can we collect from humans for humans by humans. What I realized from the data class that I did, I did a data of its class last year and, uh, and I thought it was really brilliant. And partially one of the things that I got out of it was, um, I used to think that constraints were really bad, but then when I, when I realized that like you can have a, a data set and you can look at it and, and it, and use that as your template for what you make as art. And I, and I don't know, I, I felt really freeing actually. That's like, all I need to do is follow you know, like stay true to the data, stay true to the information that I have in front of me. Mm-hmm. And then I can create any, anything I want out of it. And so I thought, I don't know, I thought that somehow that was brilliant because usually I've been trying to fight against, you know, like rules and, uh, and, and things that like, you know, like a kind of regimented thing. I don't know. It's, it feels like, it feels like all of the things that like supposedly come with adulthood <laughs> that mm-hmm. I've been fighting against because I think we're all essentially like adult children. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know, but like working with data in a, in a, a creative way is pretty freeing, I think. So, uh, I want to do more of that exploration. And so also too, I have, uh, inevitably like from the classes, I have students who are interested to continue doing the things that we're, learning and uh so i'm trying to find new ways to uh 
to kind of keep exploring with the students um, who inevitably are now friends. we can be a little bit too forward thinking, you know? And so like, you know, it's like, oh, idea, like ideas build upon other ideas and it's really exciting. And we're like, oh my God, I want to see that in the world. But sometimes the world is not ready for it, you know? So, so yeah. that's also very interesting. I think, um, like you have to believe in the thing you're doing because you're putting all the work into it and you're like, it takes so much. Actually, I was talking with a friend today about that. Like it takes so much to organize something and to create something. It's not just like, you know, for me right now, it's not just like creating a standard workshop. It's like, what are like, what's the concept behind the workshop? Why would, you know, what, what is it I want to see in the world? And yeah. So if, if nothing else, it's like, okay, I, I put out a vision. It's almost like putting out an artwork. Like I put yeah. this out there and let's see what happens. And it either works or it doesn't. And mm -hmm. I'm going to learn from it. And then I'm going to make more. There's this other thing about like how our minds play tricks on us, you know, and like our mind, you know, like maybe we will have this great talk right now and then maybe later we'll be doing something and all of a sudden we're just like, what am I doing with my life? You know, I mean, I think it happens to everybody. It happens to like, you know, people who have millions of dollars and it happens to, you know, it's like anyone who's trying something different like it it's like you just never know or even if you're doing the same shit it's like you just never know if what you're doing is the thing you're supposed to be doing and so it's like letting these thoughts happen realizing they don't define who you are they're just thoughts letting them pass and then moving on and like continuing to do the things we need to do in order to see the things we need to see happen so it's uh i mean this is also part of the thing i mean just understanding this i think is like once i realized this it's like life became so much easier and so i've trying to also talk about these weird things that are just part of like being human so that other people can realize that they're normal when these things happen and then they can find new tools to get past them. And, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know because we're not talking about these things enough, you know, we're not talking about like the, the kind of complicated, weird, unsexy things of being human. And I think that we should, we should be talking about this more. And, uh, because then we, that's, those are the things that connect us. And that's when we feel connected to others, when we realize we're all the same in some ways. And then you have less of these moments. Uh, I mean, if you connect it back to the election or anything where you go, but I don't understand why. why? I, and I just think it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people, like we're looking at the news right now and we're thinking that we know what's going on because we're reading what's, <laughs> what's in the news right now. And the thing is, it's all fucking history, man. It's all <laughs> history. And we do not know history. Mm -hmm. You know, we know bits of history or we know, like you know, but yeah. like, I think we all need to, take some history lessons mm -hmm. and go back and kind of like understand how, how governments came to be, how this world came to be. And then, sure. and, and, and then I think it's going to be so enlightening, you know, but like yeah. the problem is time really. It's like, you know, everybody's yeah. doing their job, doing their work. And it's like the idea of going home after like, I don't know, like a 50 or 60 hour week and then watching like mm -hmm. bi a biology <laughs> uh, documentary yeah. or something like that, you know, yeah. it's like, it's it's not necessarily the thing people want to do, but I think we should start to try to make these things cool, you know, like yeah. have like parties where we're like learning about science and history and this kind of thing, because uh, we need 
we all need more of of an understanding of the past. So on the one hand, it's hard to know all these things. And on the other hand, there are ways that we can know, and there are so many benefits to knowing these things. So then it's the question of exactly, as you said, how do we make it fun or, or engaging and that kind of thing? And that is where you come in. I don't know, friends too. My like, I remember one time I was watching this movie, uh, w- watching movie with a friend. It was like some Hollywood movie. I don't remember. It was the, uh, with the Le- Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it was the one about talking about how, um, the financial crisis, like right. the, the housing Wolf of wall street. Yeah. And so, uh, but it was, it was really great because I saw it with a couple of friends and, uh, you know, we were watching it and then we would pause it and we'd be like, wait a minute, you know, what was going on in this moment in history? And, oh yeah, I heard about right. this and that. I understood this thing. And so it's like, we can't really assume that we can understand it all, but like together with other people, you know, we're like mega brain or something <laughs> in a way we're like. You know, Google's cousin or something. Or like, God, we're better than Google. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But, you know, it's like so we ha- we can have the more people that we engage in meaningful conversations with, the more knowledge we're gonna have as a as an as a as a race, as a, an entity, yeah. as like a human. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like for the people listening, uh, Rachel, you first of all, you've you've uh, really put things in an interesting and I think uh, constructive perspective, and um, also in regarding. School of Ma, I'll tell people schoolofma.org uh, is where you can find information. And as you said, uh, early next year, which is close, <laughs> there'll be the um, many of the courses that you'll be offering next year, right? Yes, uh, yeah. I'm going to, I mean, I'm working right now to sure. uh, get everything out and hopefully by the beginning of next year, I'll be able to to talk about everything. It's going to be really exciting. I'm so thrilled. (laughs) I can't even sleep at night. I'm just like, Oh my God, like this idea. Oh, we can do this. And then there's this and like, ah, and then, ah, yeah. (laughs) So that's a good place to be. I think. Good. Yes, definitely. It's like Christmas every day, if, if that's your holiday. Um, but uh, and I, what I'd like to do is actually next year, I'll keep an eye on that schedule. And maybe if everyone's okay with it, I'll bring a microphone and, and, and talk with people who are participating at some stage. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot for talking with me today. And, uh, and for sure, uh, we'll do more follow-ups in the, in the future. Great. Thanks so much for getting in touch again. Rachel Ua is the founder of the Berlin-based School of Machines, Making and Make-Believe. So from learning to thinking to the psychology of trying, we covered a lot of ground, not all of it what I expected to cover. Uh, So very interesting places we can go in speaking with Rachel. I highly recommend look up the program, look up the school. That's schoolofma.org in Berlin, but also in a country near you. For those who are listening for the first time or perhaps didn't know, the website is sourcecode.com. Dot Berlin. You can also use your favorite podcasting app on your phone or device, and there you can also see all of our previous shows, now well over 40 of them. You can find us on Facebook under the name Source Code Berlin. On Twitter, it's SRC Code Berlin. Music on today's program was by La Venganza de Chitara, Vinesi, This Mess is Mine, and Marquise Turner, all published using CC licenses and available on the Free Music Archive. This podcast is published under a CC BYSA 4.0 license and edited by me. Until next time. <laughs>
I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. Thanks for listening. anything to fall off and make noise. You keep on your desk only things you need. That's part of keeping the room quiet. Uh Uh-oh, the point broke. He'll have to sharpen the pencil. Do you think you could walk this quietly?